Thanks for joining us here at the Big Red Hunters podcast. It's your host, Hunter Dydal. Uh Today, we're going to be talking about social media in the outdoors. Uh, Jeremy and I both have pretty big opinions on this. Uh, it's been rough with the outdoors, uh, especially with social medias like Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram. Uh, there's been a lot of things going on that makes it really hard, especially to grow. It's one thing to try to find a following or try to build a loyal following. But man, it, it makes it really tough with the hurdles that some of these social media platforms put in place. Uh, we talk about that. We also talk about Elon taking over Twitter and how that's kind of changing Twitter and what we would like to see on some of the other platforms possibly changing. I, I guess I don't, I don't think so, but Jeremy thinks it may happen. Uh, lastly, we also talk about guys that we feel like have done a very good job in their social media and are really successful. Uh, they're really well respected guys in the outdoors. I respect them. We've talked to some of them. So um, kind of go through that. But uh, if you guys like this conversation, a couple things. If you love the podcast, make sure to rate and review it. Makes a big thing or makes a big deal to us. It also makes a big deal to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. They start showing up and then Obviously, we build a bigger following. That's kind of what we're in to do. Uh, and lastly, join the conversation. We've got a Facebook page for the podcast, Bigger and Hunters Podcast Fans Forums. Uh, let Let's not stop the conversation here. Let's continue the conversation on that that on the platform. So, jump on over there, hit join, uh, share some of your stories, share your opinions. Uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate you guys listening to this. And we also want to interact with you, so make sure to get over there and uh, hop on and share your opinion. So, appreciate it. Uh, today, the podcast is brought to you by Faithful Images. Faithful Images is the uh, my wife and I's photography business. Uh, Shay mostly runs it, but I also help out. We do weddings, engagements, graduations, pretty much anything you can come up with or want uh, on the photo side. Make sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram to get kind of what uh, the feel is of our photography business. And if you're wanting to, if you want to schedule something with us, DM one of our, our Instagram or Facebook account, or uh, go to faithfulimages.com or excuse me, faithfulimages.org uh, and uh, reach out to us by email. So we appreciate you guys uh, more than you guys can know. And let's go ahead and jump on the podcast. Welcome back to the Bigger and Hunters podcast. It's your host, Hunter Dydle, and your co-host, Jeremy. What up, diggity-diggity-dog? Just out dogging around, man. <laughs> you know, just out turkey. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't turkey on it. I've been buying a lot of decoys, though. Yeah, you have. <laughs> you know what's crazy is that um, that spread you sent me? Yeah. I'm pretty sure we passed it when we were heading west this weekend. Really? Because it was from Carney area, right? Yep. Yeah, there was a spread on a sand pit that somebody was either cleaning or, like, 
looking like they were getting ready to sell it. And it was about 400 decoys. So all full bodies. It very well could have been. I I was disappointed. I wish he would have posted it earlier in the season because I probably would have bought like a good chunk of them because, I mean, I'm up to, I think, between 11 and 1200 bucks. So, I mean, that's 11, 12 dozen. How many? How much did he want for all of them again? Like what? Uh, he wanted 115 a dozen. Most so have like, been what I've been buying so far has been about 130 or 150 a dozen. A bit of the same style decoys. Yeah. So, I mean, I I haven't got bad deals. I've got good deals so far, but at the same time, well, like, it's just a bummer if he had posted that one. That would have been one that I'd been like, hey, anybody who wants to be involved in this, like I would have, yeah, like. Would have thrown money to like buy the whole set. Yeah. But. It is what it is. But oh man, I got to tell you about this. So, <laughs> uh, the sponsor of this podcast, Faithful Images, it's Shay and I's uh, wedding photography business, and we do other stuff too. So, I'll probably do it in the intro, but or I have done the intro that I have before this. But my weekend, man, this <laughs> wedding was. Awesome and horrible at the same time. Oh, no. So everybody knows, like, here in Lincoln, we had a lot of, like, off and on rain on Saturday. It was just kind of crappy. I mean, it wasn't, I don't know how, I guess I wouldn't say it was very conducive for anything, really. I would have been more concerned about the wind. So wind, rain, and was, like, 40, 50 degrees, which yeah. is cold for a wedding. So we get there in the morning, already raining, and... For starters, the makeup artist got us an hour behind, so we're waiting. Oh, no. So normally when we get there, we start by doing detailed shots, like shots of the venue, shots of their setup, um, the way they decorate the tables. We try to get pictures of the rings, that kind of stuff. And then we kind of move into doing, like, family photos and, like, usually we do, like, bridesmaids, reveal, that kind of stuff. Well, Mm -hmm. we did everything we could. And then we were backed up an hour because the makeup artist, well, that was fun. So then we had, because they wanted all their photos outside, the way the venue was set up, there was these stairs, and it was a really beautiful venue. We had to move all the DJ. We had to move the DJ out Mm. because we wanted photos in that center between the stairs. One, thank God we had lighting, like had to set up lighting. Number two, (laughs) I mean... Thank goodness, like, we can make it work. But Shay and I worked together and got us ahead of schedule and uh, went from an hour behind schedule to get us ahead of schedule. So it ended up working all right because they had a smaller family, mm-hmm. and that part of it made it a little bit easier. So we get the DJ set up. He's, like, all wound up because he's already, you know, he's running behind because yeah. we put him behind, which I feel really bad. So we're helping him set up, getting everything, running around in circles. And the venue... Well, originally, they were going to do the wedding outside. So, we are starting to move stuff around so they could do the wedding on the inside. Yeah. And in the middle of doing that, five minutes before the ceremony, oh, we're going to do it outside. Like, Oh, my gosh. Okay. <sighs> so, I'm trying to help the <laughs> DJ, like, get set up outside and <laughs> getting everything going. And I sent you that video of me just like standing there with an umbrella, like covering up the big mm-hmm, speaker. Yeah. Like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> we end up using a sheet from one of the tables, tied it up, and like use that as kind of a cover for that. Uh-huh. that yeah. Met, it was a disaster. Shay had to use her hotspot for him because there wasn't Wi Fi out there. 
the pastor really wasn't very nice. Like she seemed really cranky with him, which it wasn't his fault. Like hmm. he was just doing the best he could. So they've got people walking down the aisle and there's no music because he hadn't got his stuff like going and everything plugged in. And we told the pastor, like, just give us like three minutes, like three minutes. We'll get everything. Nope. Just decide. Come on. Like, Oh, you know how mad I would have been if I was like, oh, my, I would have been livid. Like I paid all this money. Yeah. Like they probably paid probably three or four grand for the venue. You know, they paid for us. Like I would have been torqued. Yeah. They were really cool about it. Awesome couple. Loved it. Um, finish up the ceremony, but the ceremony's just like blowing and raining. <laughs> it's like, oh goodness. They were awesome. Loved doing it. Um, it was an awesome time. But so if you guys need a wedding done or you know, photo shoot in general. Reach out to Faithful Images, but so let's get let's jump into our topic today. So Jeremy and I have n- had no idea what we're going to talk about, and there's a couple of people that kind of hinted to it on Instagram, uh, and then somebody said a couple things on Facebook. But we're going to talk about something because Jeremy came over, we started talking politics. Now <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try to stay away from like brute topics, but. This is something that's really been big, and I think that also attaches to the outdoor industry. So I, it's kind of a mix and match. So we're going to be talking about the social, like social media and the outdoors, and how that really combines together. Because Jeremy and I are both content creators to some extent. Yeah. I do more of the photography stuff. You're much more of the video, but you also do photography. Yeah. Um, let's let's start with YouTube. Let's start with that. So you've got okay. Humpfish365 YouTube. Yeah. You've got, I think, 500 videos. Oh, no. I've only got like 180 on there. I don't know how I got that 500. You got, no, you got like five or 600 subscribers. Yeah. 180 videos. So how long have you been making videos? Like five years now? Let's see. I started making videos. That would have been like 2018. Yeah, four or five years. So four or five years in. Um. I would say, I would say I missed. There was that sweet spot between about 2016 yep. and 2018, and I would say I missed it. So, and the reason I say that is the very first video I put out for a duck hunt would, for the size of my channel, you could call it blowing up. I've got like 8,000 views in like a month. Yeah, and I just I had no idea what to do as a duck hunter. I was still really new to it. Yeah. Didn't know how to video yet. Was really new to that concept, so I didn't put that much out. And then YouTube just <laughs> strike down on hunting. And by the time I finally figured out what I was doing, it just—I think it was twenty. Like really, it was twenty nineteen when they finally put the hammer down. Yeah. Now, now for the listeners, us being content creators, one of our biggest things, and we've kind of like spoken to this a few times, is. It's called shadow banning. What shadow banning mean is it's not that you don't get likes. I'm going to put this in perspective. So for my Instagram, when I first got started, I we blew up on Instagram pretty quick. I used to get 6,000 engagements, which means people are actually looking at my posts and engaging with it, liking, commenting, whatever. Not, not all people are liking, but they at least are seeing your posts and like looking at it. My engagements now is like 600 to 1,000. Now, when it was 6,000, I think it was like 30% of the people that were looking at it 
wasn't a follower, which means there's new people constantly looking at my content, and that's how I was getting new followers. Same, kind of the same concept with YouTube. Now, with being shadow banned, you get less engagement, which means overall less people see it. Two, I think my, like, the people who see it now that don't follow me is only, like, I want to say, like, 5% max, unless a post goes, like, viral. And then, which means people outside of the people who follow me, like, minimal, minimal amount actually see it. That's what we're kind of talking about is when we first started, YouTube allowed everybody to see your content. Mm -hmm. Now it's really only your followers or subscribers, and it's really hard to kind of, like, break out unless you get big. I, I would say if you get if you're big to that point, people tend to share it more. It it has become more important to have your own personal uh, niche niche, oh, niche or like uh, you you have to have something about yourself that like really makes people like grabs people. Like so when you th- like when I think about content creators, let's let's think about this. So like Matt High Prairie Sportsman, what sticks out to me is his scouting. How many birds he kills, but really it's the twenty-eight gauge. As I say, he he's done he he's branded several areas on his page. Yeah. Um, one thing that grabs me in particular, getting the birds in close, shooting them close, good shots. Twenty-eight gauge. He's really sold the whole coot thing. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And <laughs> my big thing is sand hills. There's that. He's actually he's got so many. It's it it's why he does so well because he doesn't have to focus on every aspect, every single video. Yeah. Um. The other thing that I, not so much for the YouTube, but his other social medias like TikTok and Instagram, he has done a really really good job of innocently poking fun at people. <laughs> like. Yeah. I mean, him and Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles have gone back and forth for years. And still to this day, Matt will poke at him for not shooting pintails, <laughs> which is <Yeah>. hilarious. <laughs> I just feel bad because it's lasted so long. Like, you think Jordan well, by this point would have gotten something. Well, you, it's even worse. Like, I, when we had him on the uh, last week, Matt, um, I actually wanted to bring up because he kind of poked fun at that a little bit. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to be like, heck, even Jordan, he was in the same blind when they shot a hybrid pintail mallard. <laughs> and it's like, how do you get that? Like, and he's had pintails shot in the same blind as him. Like, yeah. just, but that's why Matt's so popular. That's why other people are so popular. I mean, even with Jordan from uh, Duck Gun Chronicle. Um, he really sticks out to me, the duck bus. He did the a duck great, bus, he, exactly. He did, he did a good job with that. Yeah, he did. And I was actually uh, flipping through his story earlier this week, and he's trying to figure out where to go this next season. And that's a really cool idea. Um, actually, it's I would say anybody who really, really loves hunting and wants to travel hunt has thought about that idea. I've thought about buying a, you know, putting a van together or something like that. I think that'd be awesome, but. I like to travel hunt. Um, uh, so he's got that. You get you get into Mid-Valley Mercenary, and it's finding the mallards in the just war zone that is California duck hunting. I think this sticks out to me the most with uh, Titus, and I, I, I think we're going to try to get him on the, the podcast because he, 
that one time I said something, he's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to. So I've talked to him a couple times, but, like, I would say, like, the family nature of his Mm -hmm. hunting group and how he was really, like, he he was brought into the tutelage under Travis Mm-hmm. And now his brother underneath of him, and now like all of their families start to like have haunted together. So I think that's incredible. You can really put uh, there's one word that comes to mind when you're talking about that with them. It's brotherhood. I mean, straight up, they are like, yeah, their family. Yeah, and I think it's awesome. I love how he you know puts his faith in there as well. So going back to the whole social media, having that niche has become so much more important because you got to have something that really grabs people yeah. now. And you can't just throw videos up on YouTube because, one, YouTube's not going to really promote them. Yeah. And, two, people aren't just going to be clicking on stuff to see something boring. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, to be to be honest, so I started in 2017 is when we started our, our, our YouTube. Well, Instagram, too, but... We got started, started making YouTube videos, and we like we got going quick. I think we had 150 subscribers after the first duck season. I want to say duck season, goose season. Um, we didn't goose hunt very much that year, but so that was like the real like first season we got into it. Now, I, I guess I won't really get into too much of the podcast, but basically that account went kapooey because that whole thing kind of blew up. But I'm not talking about that at all, but. Um, so I had to give up that account and I had to restart a new one. So one, I gave it up for pretty much most of six months to a year. And so that's kind of like into 2017, 2018. So I didn't really restart a new account until 2019. Mm-hmm. At that point, that was poo on me. Cause like in 2017, when I got started, Matt from High Prairie had like, I want to say five or six hundred subscribers. Oh, I don't even think. Literally, I, I'd had to look back at videos, but me and Matt started. That's why, I, like, it, I if if I had more videos, more knowledge, and stayed committed to it early. Yeah, I because like same with you. My first couple videos, I mean, I had a hundred subscribers like that. I mean, it just and then I really started building quick, and then, but you know inconsistency not staying with it but what i'm saying is like me and matt i'd I'd be interested to look back at the like first couple videos we we started the same season i believe yeah he just he he really quickly grabbed the sand hills that first his first couple videos and i i think that's what really got him going yeah he also had an amazing i mean matt can straight up kill ducks that that dude like I know where he hunts, and I can't even kill ducks like he can in those areas. Well, like, I think I can honestly remember there was a video in 2018 that I, to this day, that I still remember. Like I can still, it's the spot we hunted mm-hmm. with oh, Jared. And, yeah, and he hunted in that other blind across on the other side. Yeah, with the tree. He's you're, he's you're there with me. You're you're talking he, about those two late January hunts yep, that he hunted with uh, mallards. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember I, like that. That was like really boom. Those like, are exactly those are the first couple videos that really. I mean, because by that point he had committed to it enough. He got a few. Co- he got a couple subscribers. 
from earlier that season. He got those videos in that two or three three day period of just lights out shooting. I mean, one of those hunts, him and um, Dustin, Dustin, I think so. Game hog. That's that's all I can ever remember him by. I mean, they literally shot a two man limit in like thirty minutes. Yep. In that spot, and it just. He went. I mean, he he went off from there, and then he had a fantastic teal season that next year. And yeah, because we had all the water. That's when all the water came in, and yep. he hit it right and stayed consistent with it. And we should. Uh, we we talked about doing this at some point, but we should get Matt back on here to talk about. I would love to pick his brain as to how he like goes about his social media. He is so smart about social media. Like, every little angle of it. I always wonder. I wonder if it's, I, I, I mean, I guess I've talked to him some, but not enough to know this. But I, I just wonder if it's, like, more analyzed and planned or if oh, it's just kind of, like, pitching content out there. No, he is definitely a planner. Hmm. 100%. He Like, if you pay attention to his pictures and when he posts videos on YouTube as well, yep. he is very consistent in making sure that what he's posting on the day that he's putting up a video comes from that hunt. He's very consistent in putting TikToks out that are, like, relevant to those hunts. Yeah. That's, he's a, that's why I'd love to pick his brain because he literally, like, almost seems OCD about how he runs his, runs his social medias, which is why he's so popular and it's why, like, so many people you know, follow him or, you know, pay attention to him. Yeah. I think, and I don't know, I mean, from a YouTube standpoint, we both obviously kind of fell behind the ball. I mean, I'm, I would say I struggle with YouTube because if you ever looked at my social medias, I don't, I don't really like taking pictures or videos of myself. Like, if you look through my, like, most of my Instagram, I don't have many pictures of me. Yeah. And, like, Matt always has selfies and stuff. And I'm not putting anything down because that is a personal brand. When mm-hmm. we got started with Bigger Hunters, it really wasn't meant to be a personal brand. It was meant to be an apparel brand. So, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be a company rather than, like, a personal, like, this is just me kind of deal. And I've always, like, to this day, still kind of struggle with that aspect and, I think that the faster you build up that personal brand and the face of that mm-hmm. brand, like the better you do now, obviously you can't, it's, it's a whole different story, but when it comes to personal branding and company branding, but I always struggle with that side of it. Um, and I think that really hindered me on, on the YouTube side. Oh, I completely understand that. I, I think Matt does a really good job of that, which is does. surprising cause he's, like, he seems he's, he's introverted. Very, he's very introverted. But at the same time, he does good with that. I think the big thing is he's just confident in himself, which yeah. is is good. It, it goes a long ways to be confident in yourself when it comes to social media. Um, I mean, I totally sympathize with you on the putting your face out there. On like, I'm I'm so bad at it. I kind of can do it, but I just I don't. I can't tell you how many times like I've been hunting, even even with like. You know, you or the guys I've hunted with for years, and it's like, all right, should probably talk to the camera, but I'm like, 
So, listeners, Shay's joining in the conversation. She just got off work and decided to jump on in. I shaved my legs. It was nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's how babies are made. Oh. (laughs) Yikes. But uh, we're talking about YouTube, but you'll jump in. Um, No, I, I agree. I think... You know, there the and the other problem I had with YouTube and that whole thing is I struggled because the guys that seem to do really well in like 2017 2018 time frame those guys were like I'm talking like Bobby guy that were smashing birds and I was it was so inconsistent for me early on and it's even I mean even this year was inconsistent we're in a tough area to have consistent birds yeah like that's w- <laughs> That's why, uh, man, I wish that uh, 2019 season, I wish at that point, because I had a lot of really good videos from that year. I wish at that point YouTube hadn't struck everybody down because, like, I've got, like, 20 good videos from that year because I killed the most ducks I've ever killed that year. The group killed the most ducks we've ever killed that year. Um, Both sides of the state. I mean, we traveled. I mean, yeah. I had hunts where we saw thousands upon thousands of ducks. I mean, it just. Well, the talking about consistency, it's hard because, and I'll, I'll say this, say even us versus Matt. An inconsistent hunt for Matt is still two or three birds. Mm-hmm. An inconsistent hunt for me down here has always been, and you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I've hunted in bigger or tend to hunted in bigger groups than Matt does because he hunts a lot by himself alone. Mm-hmm. So if you get one or two groups, it's pretty easy to pick out two or three birds. Yeah. Get a couple flocks or a single and a couple flocks or whatnot. Well, inconsistent hunt is like one or two birds, you know, yeah. for us down here. And it's more typical for that. You know, there's a good part of our year where, yeah, we go out hang out all morning and then there was some dumb single that came by or ringer or that bluebill and pintail day, you know, but that's the other thing too, is like when it's inconsistent like that, you tend for, to forget, forget to run your GoPro or mm-hmm. you have it shut off and then you don't get the video. Well, you just, as it's happened for me many times, even this weekend, you just are like, kind of what's the point? Well, not, just, not, not necessarily what's the point, but it's like, I'm not expecting a whole lot because, like, this weekend I went out west, turkey hunted with Westside Jared. Westside Jared? How is Jared doing? Jared. He's, he's doing great. Good? Actually, he beat us to the punch. He bought a 20-gauge. For real? For real. What did he buy? Oh, she did. It looked like a Franchi, but... Franchi? Hmm. It is like picking up a stick. I mean, it is... <laughs> it's light. It is light, light. <laughs> I'm guessing it's a Franchi then because... Um, Dane's got a Franke that that twelve gauge is real light too, like that. But well, I'm pretty sure it's the same uh, camo pattern as Dane's. Gotcha. I think that's why I went to Franke with the idea. But it wouldn't be bad. I mean, Franke twenty gauge, you're probably looking at like eight hundred, nine hundred bucks. I guess probably thousand if you buy the that camo pattern. But that's a, yeah. I mean, with a less kick of the twenty gauge, it'd be a viable option. But I would still go probably Winchester, but that's just me. Or Super Black Eagle 3. But go ahead. Oh, I point is, with the crappy weather, we saw a lot of birds, but we just couldn't ever get to it. And so I didn't really video a whole lot. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I won't even make a video from the weekend. 
Um, That's why I kind of got into this year. I kind of moved away from like the YouTube scene and I really started like focusing on being, taking more like cinematic uh, videos and doing like reels. Yeah. Just because they're a lot easier to come up with. If Even if the hunt's not good, they're easy to like throw a few things together and like kind of tell the story of the hunt. But it, it's, it's con- like it's small, conducive. And people seem to really like it. Like that that video I put together about our snow goose, like mm-hmm. Operation Snow Goose of us, like doing all that work. People seem to really love that. And I wish I would have done, like that's the problem I have. It's easy to throw that together and make it look cool. But like doing it a long form like YouTube video mm-hmm. just seems like, I find that boring. I'm not going to lie. Some people love it. But I, for me, it's just like, I'm not going to sit there and watch somebody build their spread. I'm not, I'm just going to be honest. I would in a fast pace, like if you if we put like a GoPro up on a stick and just yeah, you know, put it in. A super I mean, fast, I guess, but you could have. I mean, you could have done like the hey guys, what we're doing? Yeah. Start doing the trees. Okay, this is what we're doing next. Yeah. Like I get it, but I don't know. I that's why I'm not so, super big on. I was when we decided this is what we we're going to talk about for the podcast. One thing that came to my mind that I've been meaning to talk to you about or say. So you make these reels and I finally, finally decided that I was going to make a TikTok the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Let me show you the TikTok first of all. This is going to be good. It was. So I, I just jumped on a trend, honestly, I because I wanted to. I've been seeing the trend come through and I just, <laughs> I really like it. We're uh we're over here looking at my TikTok master in the corner here that hasn't made one in six months. Um, because they banned everything. Well, I, no, the last four videos we made, they banned it. Him. So. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, that's great. He's got this video like you're not him, you're not him. It's like, who is the picture videos of? Community guidelines in less than sixty seconds. For real? I'm Hold not you. even kidding you. That's why I don't make TikToks I anymore. literally was like, are you kidding me? I took it down, posted it again, five minutes. I was like, this is crap. Like, oh gosh. <laughs> just a video. It's, it's just a video cheating. like I didn't know gun. No. <laughs> just a turkey. Like, uh, yeah. I just was yeah. like, are you kidding me? Well, let's see. The thing, too, what is like, I remember when Jordan and Matt got in on TikTok early, and I remember listening to a podcast, and Jordan's like, I got more followers on TikTok than I have everything else. Yeah. But yet now it's just kind of like, no, they would like, again, again, with what we're talking about with Matt. And I know we're, I know we're talking about Matt and it seems like (laughs) we have like, you know, crushes on Matt or something like that. But no, Uh, he's the perfect example of what like we like to do. And he hit everything right. Both Matt and Jordan jumped on TikTok. Well, TikTok was still TikTok. Yeah. And they exploded. I mean, like, exploded on TikTok. Yeah. And I, I that, I do believe, is what contributed to their growth in YouTube. Yeah. And as well as their Instagrams. It really does help quite a bit. Like, you find that one platform, if you get a little bit of growth there, it's going to, you know, it's going to pile up on other areas. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen the growth of our podcast kind of fall into other things like that. Um well, I guess I could chat it out. Our, we've got a podcast group on Facebook, uh, Big Red Hunters Podcast, fa- fans and forums. And, like, 
it just slowly continues to like gain traction and I've actually seen people pop up on Instagram too from the podcast. So that, yeah, it's like he, they've done a good job of like cross platform marketing. Now for me, that was I'm not gonna lie, like that was the biggest downfall of bigger hunters that I wish I could go back and change because I really put a significant shaking. Shay's going to give me a lot of crap about it, but I put a significant amount of time into building our Instagram, mm-hmm. like a significant, I, I used to spend like, I, I used to spend like hours on Instagram, like talking to people, like build, yeah, like build background followers, like engagement. And I did that in hopes that the Instagram would spur on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. I wish I had put in all the hours and the time that I put into Instagram into making YouTube because I think people come from YouTube to Instagram, but it's hard to get people from Instagram to YouTube. That's, I disagree. Wow. I'm the fine. other way around. I think that Instagram's easier to pull in people because you can give them clips of like what you are advertising on well, YouTube and then you draw them from Instagram to YouTube. See, uh, actually, Hunter asked me this question the other week when and the reason really this whole conversation is started and why we're talking about it today is because as everybody know knows elon musk bought twitter and yada yada and when he finally bought it hunter asked me like if you could get him to buy youtube or instagram which would you pick and i picked youtube solely on the fact and this is this is why you get a lot more people to come from youtube to instagram because you create a personality with people on YouTube a little yeah. bit. That's my opinion. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, now with reels, you can maybe get a little bit of a personality, but pictures don't always create a personality. You got to like, so if you get that personality on YouTube and they're like, yeah, I really like his videos. You want, I want to see his, all his pictures from the season, yada, yada, TikToks, other things. I mean, well, like, you take this take this in consideration like you tend to build all, uh, this is the big the big like word is loyalty mm-hmm. you build a much more loyal following through YouTube than you can on Instagram can you on Instagram absolutely but on YouTube they get to know you as a person mm-hmm. and that's what they kind of uh, i mean that's what podcasts and i've seen that with the podcasts is there's like there's guys jail contest or say this is there's like there's guys that we know from our, you know, local community, her friends, my friends. If I don't put a, if I don't put the podcast out on Wednesday mm-hmm. in the morning, I will get Snapchat messages from these guys saying like, shout out to Tony Drake. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I will get, I will get Snapchat, uh, Snapchats from these guys like, Hey, like, where's the podcast? Like in I, a nice way though. No, no. Like, yeah. Like, like, Hey man, like, where's the podcast? Like, or like, you know, I need my podcast for my Wednesday, you know, for work. And I'm like, it's really, I, I, I appreciate that. I want to say that, like, I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. It drives me to continue to make content because I know people want oh, to listen to it. Absolutely. I mean, I think during that three week period where you were figuring out everything with the baby and yeah. house stuff and whatnot, I had a few people be like, you know, what's going on with the podcast? One of them was Jared too, Westside Jared. Like yeah. he listens every week and <laughs> I'll, I regularly get feedback from him. I yeah. mean, 
so it's it is nice. It it definitely nothing will make a content creator want to do it more than getting a positive feedback or yo, where's everything been at? Like for it instance, that's the other thing. It doesn't even have to be positive either. Like it, if I know that they're saying like, hey, you should change this or you should talk about this, at least it gives me like, yeah, I know you're paying attention and you actually care. Like yeah, exactly. I mean, for instance, so last spring summer when I took that hiatus from social media is completely and when I jumped back on I had messages everywhere like where are you at yeah, what's right. been happening like you know put more video like I had I have a couple guys on uh, which I'm probably breaking their hearts because all I do is hunt anymore but I have a couple of guys on YouTube that are like where are all the fishing videos at and I'm just like <laughs> all I want to do is turkey hunt <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but so, yeah, I had somebody messaged me today when I put out, well, you know, what, what it, or what kind of podcast should I put out? And I think he said something about summer fishing. So, I mean, we can do well, something like that. Well, when we get a little bit farther into summertime, we could do a podcast with Jordan again the, from The Good Life because he's, I mean, huge into fishing. Yeah. Bigger than we are for sure. Talk to him again because I haven't seen him in a while anyway. So, need to get connected with him. But now talking about like loyal, like there's people on a loyalty level that are much more liable to go to Instagram and Instagram is just so passive. Like, do you have a small group of people that like constantly like your stuff? I would say there's 60, like 60 people that constantly like like my photos, Mm -hmm. no matter what I'm putting out. Like even with the crappy engagement that I'm having right now, like at most of the season, I think I got 200 likes I think it was the banded goose and then a couple other photos, but I, I will, you know, if I put even a crappy photo out, I'm probably going to get 50 or 60 likes for people that always like my stuff. Yeah. They pretty consistently engage with it, but that's the thing is like, you just continue to cross platforms. Eventually you grow. So, I mean, I just think I see it differently because I don't watch YouTube. I think I'm one of those people that like, I don't know what it is. I've, never really gotten onto like YouTube and like followed a certain channel besides ours or I don't yeah. know, gotten into it. And so I think that's why I tend to lean more towards like Instagram or TikTok as like main social medias. And then if I see someone on there, I'm like, Ooh, I like that. Like, Oh, I just saw how to do something. I want to look that up on YouTube because it says link in bio yeah. to watching YouTube. And so then I go to that, but then I don't follow them still. And so I, I think I'm just talking from, like, a non-perspective of someone who doesn't watch YouTube often. Well, yeah. every person's different. Like, what they want to see. Like, I look to grow a personality with somebody on YouTube generally before I am, like, yeah, I'll follow them on Instagram or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas you are, like, Instagram, then maybe YouTube or other platforms, which every, audi- every audience is different. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's... Again, talking about some of these social media content creators that have really made it work, having different reaches to different groups across the board, being able to hit everyone in some way, shape, or form while staying true to yourself, if you will. I would say I just, I wish I would have continued on YouTube. And I've honestly thought about making a series about dog training with Nala this summer because there are small like there's stuff that i've been wanting to work on with her and 
my biggest thing for this year is uh, continue to train through the summer, and I want to expand her blinds. Yeah, there was a blind that I did. I mean, it was a cut grass field, so it wasn't super hard to see where the bumper was. But I did a 250-yard blind, and, like, that, that to me, I was really excited because mm-hmm. that was, like, as far as we've been on that end. So, I don't know. I thought about doing stuff like that. But now let's kind of jump. Let's jump lines a little bit. So we started the conversation with uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter. Now let's let's talk about in or Instagram a little bit. I want to bring this one up because we've talked about Matt a lot, mm-hmm. and I think the one that like I don't I wouldn't even say drives me nuts. His content is worth the amount of like glam he's getting right now, but. It, it makes me, like, it almost makes you, like, itch my head a little bit, like, scratch my head. I don't think, I don't, I don't even know how to say this, like, I know he has a loyal following from his podcast and his YouTube. It's just Im- incredible on how quickly he's been able to grow his Instagram. Talking about Titus from Mid-Valley Mercenaries. He went on, and he got so tired of social medias that he just decided to delete them. Mm-hmm. He had a decent-sized Instagram. It was, like, right around 10,000. Decided to completely gone, deleted. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he finally decided, okay, well, I better come back. Yeah. And the guy's got like ten or twelve thousand followers already on Instagram again, which I know that he has like thirty thousand on. I guess he somewhere around thirty thousand um, oh, subscribers on YouTube. But like, how quick he's been able to build it is honestly pretty incredible. I will hand it to him. But then, oh, it's 10.1. But he also just has. Shy, just shy of 40 on. Uh, oh, 40. Just shy of 40. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. His his stuff through the season was, like, pretty good. I will give it to him. Like, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Now, his postseason photos of him taking pictures of ducks, those are incredible. Mm-hmm. I give him total props for that. I just think he is the one exception to the rule because i have not really seen any outdoor creators do very well on instagram as of even the last year i would say two years actually it's longer now probably three years but two years for sure in the last year it's been horrible 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 so i this and when it comes to social medias these day days and i've said this actually I've said this several times, whether it's on the podcast or just while I was talking. Sometimes one of the best things you can do to jumpstart a social media is have people with big names already push you real quick. Part of what made Titus explode on Instagram in particular is, first off, he already had the YouTube audience. So as soon as he said he was back on social medias, People flock to it because they lo- people watch Mid Valley Mercenaries and Titus and all of his you know, his group for their personalities. That is a lot of it. I think I think he's got a lot of fanatics that have his YouTube and his Instagram just to try to pay attention to where he's at because he's so successful in an area that's so competitive. I would believe that there's a lot of people that I hate to say this, but kind of hate him. But want to do what he's doing. I would, I would believe that, and I think, I think especially in the outdoors world, there's a lot of that. Unfortunately, I, yeah, there's a lot of that. Man, I just can't respect somebody who's 
you know, created that. Yeah. But I want to be it kind of thing. But anyway, so he had that following to start. So when he came on, he got people from there. And then, of course, as soon as he jumped back on, he had people like Matt from High Prairie, Freelance Duck Hunting, Duck Gun Chronicles, all those guys from the uh, Flyways Collective were basically like, hey, he's back on social media again. So he got a huge boost yeah. of people coming from that. And one of the one thing that really helps with Instagram in particular, I have noticed um, when you see somebody new jump on, is how quickly does the platform respond to him or the page? So he, he grew a thousand, let's say a thousand followers in, you know, a week or two. Lots of feedback. And so Instagram just obviously read into the fact that people like what's going on on that channel and just skyrocketed it. I mean, it, yeah. and then on top of that, the other thing that he's done that has helped him a lot, um, he has made that friendship with, I want to say his name's Caleb, the, yeah. guy, the guy, the producer. Yep. And one, it's helped him in his video aspect of things, but when it comes to Instagram, it has helped in his photography game a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, like, some people would probably consider those moody pictures really, like, lame and overdone. I'm a sucker for it. Really? I'm a sucker for it. It's just, I respect it. I don't love it. But also, everyone's got everyone's got their own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like some of those photos that are really warm and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my brother edited some of those. And, like, he loves warm photos. And in some, like, I love warm photos in certain situations. Like, goose hunting, warm photos look awesome. Mm-hmm. S- like, certain photos, like, especially, like, spring season... Like, I try to put warm stuff or teal season, and it looks like garbage. Yeah. So, like, he he picked a filter, I would say filter, a preset that has managed to really work for him. Yeah. And be consistent, which I gave him a lot of props. It's really hard in Nebraska to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I will give him, like, huge props on that. I'm not huge on it, but. I also respect it. Yeah. I mean, every, everybody's everybody's got their thing, what they like, what they don't like. But yeah. point being is that, like, he has four of these components that just come in on his page, and it just caused it to explode. Yeah. I mean, and that, I mean, that's part of the game. Sometimes you just got to hit it right and, you know, have the right support from the right people and potentially, in his case, have another following on another platform. I mean... Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. Other times you have to sit out and grind it. One day at a time. But I agree. Now let's go back. I want to talk about something. We talked about the Twitter thing, kind of bounce back and forth. Now to, to when Elon Musk bought Twitter, a lot of these things were happening. Like shadow banning, you got bots, they are doing the same crap that they're pulling on YouTube and Instagram. They're basically trying to nail you for anything you can to shut your account down. And it honestly, I would say even Twitter was probably the worst. The worst of the three in in terms of that. I would I would say if I had to say the hierarchy of shadow banning and that crap, I'd say you, probably Twitter's probably the worst was worst. 
I would say YouTube second, Instagram third, and Facebook's probably fourth for me. If I had to say, Facebook is really hard to grow anything, and it has been for even a long time. Honest, honest opinion, I think Facebook's hard to grow on because I think Facebook is dying. I think that's funny because uh, that's the most, like, it's crazy how different it is for hunting world because, like, for photography, that's the most yeah. I get is from Facebook. Really? And I thought it'd be Instagram or referrals. Referrals is probably my highest, but Facebook is the second highest leading media for me. It just depends. I would say it depends on what your type of market is. If you're looking, like, say, if you want to do business branding, I would say Facebook's a huge winner. Right. It's been very good for bigger hunters on the business side, um, trying to, uh, you know, pick up leads and do that kind of lead management, that kind of stuff. And, they, like, they do have a very good marketing platform on Facebook. They really do. But you also got to think, who's your market, too? Because, mm-hmm. like, if we're going to be honest, your market for YouTube and Instagram is probably anywhere from 15 to 25 is probably your target market because those are the people that use it the most. Mm-hmm. Your target market for companies is that 25 to 34 is really your top age range, you know, especially in the outdoor industry, 25 to 34 males. And so you can be very specific on marketing to that market mm-hmm. in Facebook now, uh, I don't even know how we got way off on this tangent, but <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> Facebook's been okay. I mean, it's been okay for me, but not great. Yeah. And I think a lot of content creators has basically like gotten away from it. Gee, for the most though? part, like, I feel like I don't see a lot of big red on her yeah. posts, anyways. Yeah, so all my Instagram stuff's connected. Okay. Uh, I've been pretty active on the podcast page just because. Like, there's a lot of people that constantly listen to the podcast, so it's really good to get engagement and, you know, like, put it out there. Hey, what what should we talk about tonight? And there's a couple people that were, like, you know, Dustin and a couple other people had said some, said some stuff. So it's good to – I would say it's really good for engagement if you have a loyal following. Yeah. Um, if you don't, you really, really, really struggle. But it, it's just one of those things, slow growth. Now, getting back to what I was saying, Twitter – has been awful. I have not. I I got off it a long time ago because I saw this coming and I didn't want to deal with it. And a lot of it's just short, quick, funny tweets. Like it's not really the market for the outdoors. Now the people on it, yes. But I think Elon Musk, now kind of get into the political side. Elon Musk has made it clear that he cares about free speech. Mm-hmm. And what he means by free speech is everyone has the ability to say what they want to minus harassment and, you know, threats. Stupid stuff. But, like, saying what you want to say or marketing what you want to market, game. Everyone's on the same playing field. Everyone wants to, everyone can just get on there and say what they want to. And the people who matter and the people who really want to see their content grow. Here's a like here's a good example. So Steven Crowder, as soon as Elon Musk took over, which is a little over a week ago, mm-hmm. has already gr- grown by 180,000 followers in a week. I believe it. It's it's it comes down to the basic fact that people can now see his stuff. Exactly. When it's shadow banned and Twitter's not allowing anybody to see or it's not popping up on their feed, they just don't see it. The other part of it is 
people outside of his followers don't see it, so he doesn't get any new followers. It's the same thing as YouTube and Instagram. Here's, a, here's an idea, or not an idea, thought. Do you think, not a thought, sorry, a question. Do you think that because of Twitter and the way that it is now directed under Elon Musk and, you know, freedom of speech being important, already, you know, obviously the left believed that Twitter would fall. That's It's been the complete opposite. There's been a lot of people that flocked to Twitter already as it is. Yeah. Um, do you think that enough people have moved to Twitter because of the freedom of speech aspect that there potentially could be a lift on shadow banning no. across other social medias? You don't no, think so? I think the left is going to do what it's already pushing to do. You've already seen Biden create the, I don't know what they call it, but basically the Ministry of Truth. That's what the Nazis called it. So huh, I wonder where that came from. Um, basically it's, it's coming down on misinformation, disinformation. Mm-hmm. You know what was disinf- disinformation? Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, guess who censored Hunter Biden's laptop? Twitter. It was based on New York Post that had real factual evidence that it existed. They posted what was in it and Twitter did what they do best. They shut down the account, and they wouldn't allow the post to get anywhere. Now, there's been polls that were taking pat or after the election, and 16% of people said that they would not have voted for Biden if they had known about that and knew that it was valid. So basically, the election could have been honestly changed if that had gotten out there, and it would have. Mm-hmm. Because of it's disinformation, now they won't allow it to post. <laughs> so the left is basically trying to con- reconsolidate power by using this leveraging to go after Twitter. The next step is, and this is what Republicans have been, and you know, like I talk like, yeah, you should know by now. I'm a conservative. Mm-hmm. Anybody's listening, I'm a conservative, but I really don't like Republicans. Why don't I really like Republicans? They're pansies. Why? Because you got Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, and all of them yelling in Mark Zuckerberg about Section 230 and saying they need to stop this crap, this shadow banning crap, and they didn't do anything. They wanted to yell at him, make a big fuss, and then nothing happened. Well, guess what? Elon finally said to do with it. And now the whole world's like just losing their minds. No? Am I, am I going crazy? You're shaking your head at me. I'm shaking your head because you like point it towards all Republicans and no. there are good people out there. I'm not, saying I'm not talking about Republicans. I'm talking about the elected officials that are Republicans that don't have a freaking backbone because they're pansies. Okay, then say their names. Ben Sass. Not all, not all Republicans. <laughs> yeah, well. Ben the... I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm trying to make this a family podcast, so I'm not going to say the P oh, word. Oh, I, I think you're past family. No, I don't want to say pansy. Ben the pansy sass. He's a whiny little twat. Yep, past, <laughs> past family. I said it. <laughs> I said it. Uh, but seriously, the Republicans could have done this. They had the House. They had the Senate. They could have. So for any people that don't know what Section 230 is, it's basically... Section 230 is allocated 
these online platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to be platforms. They're not publishers. So when you're when you're a publisher, you're held liable for what you say. As a platform, you're basically a town square. So if someone says something stupid, you're not held liable. Like, hey, I'm going to bomb this building. You're not, as a company, held liable for what this one person says. So they could have done something and said, no, you're, you're done with the shadow banning. You're done with cutting people off for what they say. Anything that's harassment or violence, we're done. You know, you can, you can censor that stuff. But other than that, like, anybody could say what they want. You know, whereas Project Veritas or the Babylon Bee says something like, oh, Rachel Levine, the idiot that's actually a dude that claims to be a woman that's our health expert, you know, then they get banned. So that's why I'm excited to see what Elon can do with Twitter. Because I think, one, he's going to make it more profitable. Two, I think the user experience is going to be a lot better. And I think there's... It's going to be the guiding light on platforms, but I don't think the shadow banning is going to end. See, I think I think Facebook and Instagram are going to be using some of the tactics they're going to be using on Twitter, but I really don't see why the big tech overlords would, would care enough or need to stop censoring or shadow banning. Well, it's just like any other big business. As soon as stocks and profits start to fall what do they do they change what's the problem you take it away and you you take away what they're trying to accomplish which you know in this world is make money so if elon musk can make twitter profitable and more user friendly and everybody flocks to it and kind of quits using all these other social medias well those social medias are going to do whatever they can to bring the people back to it and especially if it looks like it's verging on that side of too late. I, I mean, think you're I think you're allowing reality to play too much part. Here's the thing. The left <laughs> hates free speech. They hate it. They hate free free speech, yes, but they also love money a lot. Then who who holds the money? The government. If they can get subsidized by the government on certain issues like taxes, um, maybe they get incentivized by this ministry of truth. They can make up their profits if the left is willing to sub- subsidize it, which they are because they're evil. But either way, <laughs> like they are willing to do whatever it takes. And now that they have Elon in there, that's why they freaked out so much. And now they're really melting down because they don't know what to do about it. That's why they did the ministry of truth. That's exactly what I'm saying, though. I feel as though because they have no idea what, to do i think it's going to end up they're going to reel back on the shadow banning mm, because I, would, they're, I think they're going to end up trying to repeal section 230 on elon and make them liable for all this miss or disinformation that's going to happen now it's they're not going to be be able to do for a while because republicans are going to take over the house and senate and they're really too busy with dealing with the supreme court deal that's going on right now we're not going to get into that but i think they're going to be too busy with that right now to deal with this, but I think in four years, when they're able to take one or the other, I think they're going to go after Section 230, for at least for for Twitter. I'm not saying for all of them, but gosh, in four years, if if they're still trying to go after it, I bet it's honestly, I bet this is something that dies really quickly. 
You think so? Yeah. Mm. Because I don't know, man. It didn't. It wasn't that big of an issue when. Uh, that's the thing. These social media companies, they don't do it until they know they can do it. You know, that's why I said my engagement really plunged over last year. As soon as Biden got into office, mm-hmm. I feel like that's when it really, like, sunk. No, I completely agree. And I think that, I think they do it when they can get away with it. I think it'll get a little bit better as we get in the next, you know, year or two when they take it back and they're willing to wield the power. But there again, this is why I get frustrated with the Republicans. A main issue is going to be free speech in this next election. They'll take over the House. I think they're going to take over the Senate. And I think they're going to make this big to-do. The social medias are start backing off. They'll be like, okay, you know, we'll back off. And then, you know, two to four years when Democrats take power back, which is a regular cycle, then they start doing this crap again. It's a BS cycle because that's my biggest problem about Republicans is they cannot wield they cannot they cannot wield political power very well. They don't know how to. Now that's why I like DeSantis because not only does he know how to do it, he does it effectively in an intelligent way. And it's not like I mean, he does it like a bowl, but he does it in a in a way that people can get behind. That isn't so abrasive like Trump. I don't I guess. But either way. Right, wrong, like crazy. Uh, crazy, no. I, you know, I don't really know what to say about it. Your mind is blown. I know. I, my mind is spinning at a lot of things you just said <laughs> because. Uh, no, I just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I get it. Uh, it it's a crapshoot. Well, I just, I hope it changes. And I do, I, I like your optimism about Twitter and then hoping that YouTube or Facebook changes. If I had my way and I had my choice and, and you like go back to that question, if it was Instagram or YouTube where we can go back to where, say like Elon owned it and it was like free game. Okay, everybody go ahead. Free game. Like YouTube. I would be on YouTube so fast, and I would be just blasting content. I'm talking like two, three a week. 100%. Like, I would... Actually, realistically... You know what? Let's talk about this. So, YouTube. YouTube came back on, and everything was back to normal. What would you do? Let's open it up. Uh, would you? Would you start the Good Life Collective? I, you know, you're thinking about no. Okay, bring it up. You and I have kind of thrown that idea back and forth a few times, and honestly, I'm here for it. I think it could be a lot of fun. Okay, so listeners, good life collective. We we joke back and forth because one of the biggest problems we have, like we talked about, is being consistent. Obviously, we hunt together a lot, but there is times during the season that we don't hunt together. Mm Hmm. This year is we continue to hunt a lot more together. But, you know, there's hunts where I can't make it. Say, like, on a Tuesday where you get some free time, but you go out and, like, blast some hours. That's great. You can make a video, whereas there's a couple hunts where there's some hunts that were goose hunts that I did pretty well on that would have been great if you had videos on. Yeah. But going back to what we are saying, if you have several people putting out videos, you can stay consistent where you're putting out two or three videos a week 
and we talked about this, like hunting public, mm-hmm. where there's like several guys that make content. It's quality. It's good stuff. But that's why they've been so good is because there's been consistent, good quality videos, whereas you just can't do that as a single guy. Mm-mm. I mean, there are guys like Matt and some of those well, guys that have managed to do it over years. And to, and to throw this in there, it's something that has changed about YouTube that like these outdoors YouTubers, you know, hunting and fishing people, what has caused them to have success, you know, four or five years ago, you could make it as doing it by yourself. But what has become super popular in the last year or two, maybe even three years at this point, is these groups that are, it's like four or five guys that have come together and they're constantly making content. Yeah, I mean, for instance, there's a new group that now, uh, John Lewis has been in the outdoors community for years but the Just Hunt Club, those guys are, they just started their YouTube channel this year. Admittedly, they piggybacked off of people like um, The Hunting Public, Untamed Outdoors. Uh, there's another group that they've been doing a lot of stuff with, but I can't remember the name of. And actually, John Lewis came down to Nebraska and hunted with Matt this year, which gotcha. was kind of cool. But it's a, it's like four or five guys that are, constantly hunting and constantly bringing in content and that has kind of in the outdoors world i think that has been the name of the game is being able to create four or five videos a week almost well i mean if you can if you can do that you could yeah if you like say if you can manage that i don't know say if we had we'd have to i mean Okay, so to the two of us we could put out two videos a week because you put out one out i put one out a week you can maybe get by with doing three a week, but well, prob- especially with a baby. Not prob- probably what would end up happening is, is that we would, what really should happen is we should hunt in smaller groups. Like you could hunt with all, you know, Dane and Jared and whatnot, and I could take Terrell and my dad and, you know, and then you throw other people in the mix like Jordan. Yeah. Westside Jared. Westside Jared. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think if uh, we could get Jared into actually like doing YouTube, dude, I, I think talk about a personality. Not only like a personality, but like I'm gonna say it. Like my wife sitting here, like I'm gonna say it, Jared. You're a good looking dude. <laughs> I think other dudes would be like, he's a good looking dude. <laughs> Jared, Jared, I know you're li- I know you're listening to this. So as we were driving down or driving that direction this weekend, I just I. We're sitting in silence in the truck, and I just went, you're going to like Jared, Dad. Like, like talking to my dad. You're going to like Jared a lot. I'm just going to prepare you. He's an absolute unit <laughs> of a man. Like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> But either way. But that's the other thing, too, is, like, I would consider, like, you know, if you had a group of guys, like, there's always one guy that just goes above and beyond, and I think Jared would definitely be one of those guys. And, like, that's the other thing, too, is, like, if you could have the mix, because he would be able to do, like, he tends to big game hunt early on. Like, he goes to, he tends to go western Nebraska, like, to shoot antelope and that kind of stuff. So, I don't know, man. It's just, it would be great to get three or four dudes together and, like, actually just make a YouTube. But, yeah, so 
going back to the main question, which was what would I do if YouTube was to go back to the way YouTube was? Yeah. I probably would look at trying to pull two or three guys in on something like that. And, but I also would encourage anybody that was pulled in on that to have some form of like their own aspect. Basically you got the, you got the tree and then you got the roots coming off of the tree or the branches. You're, you're talking like kind of like a Guggen, Guggen squad. Everybody's well, got their personal stuff that you work into because you, everybody used their personal stuff to help market the main, mm-hmm. main branch. But then you also are making your same video for yourself too. Well, think about it. What a lot of these platforms or a lot of these big groups are doing, like that's what it's, what it has gone to. I mean, yeah. They have one main channel, and every group is different. Like, I mean, the Googans, yeah, they've got, like, gosh, I don't even know how many. I don't pay attention enough to know how many people they have anymore. But, like, their main aspect of their videos is their personal channels, and then they come together to make videos. Yeah. And then you have groups like the Hunting Public, or another one that I really like is Hushin'. They have their main channel, and that's where they put most of their time in. But then everybody within the group kind of has, you know, their own things that they do, their own uh, other social medias that they really pay attention to, I mean, or where they post videos as Mm. well. But so, like, I, I create the main group. And one thing that has been nice through all the shadow banning over the years um, is in the process of making like a new group channel, I probably would just take all my videos and I would start over hunt fish and just like hit it hard that first year with present videos and past videos. Just constantly throwing content out because, I mean, I've got videos that, like, because of shadow banning that I've been like, man, that was a really good video. Yeah. 100, 100, 100 views, you know, nothing. Yeah. Like, and that's, you know, that's the way it is. You just got to make, like, 17 snow goose hunting videos. I I really am disappointed. <laughs> I We, like, <laughs> I will know that going into next year. And I honestly should have known better because... I would never thought about it. Well, but... It, I got to say, duck hunting does well. Like, Canada goose hunting doesn't do that well. I didn't... I had no idea about snow and goose. I really didn't. I, I think it's just because it's a smaller market of people that do it. and yeah. But people want to see it. Well, I think a lot of guys, like, get that... A lot of, like, duck hunters that hunt through, like, say, January start to get their duck depression like February, yeah. March. So Well um, and I can safely tell you of all my hunts this year, if I could trade all of my videos from this year to put out one video because I just know that it would have done well, I would I would give a lot to have had my GoPro on my head for that jump. <laughs> because that video <laughs> like I know it seems dumb, but something about jumps. People love watching them. Yeah. Hey, look. Let's see here. Yeah, you're up to uh, 478 on that one. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, when am I? You had to pet the dog, didn't you? Uh, 
Yeah. And <laughs> the baby's killing me. I'm sorry, baby. Sitting sometimes really doesn't go well after a 12-hour shift. I get you. So. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, let's, like, let's be honest here. I've got I've got a branding expert. Like, my brother is a branding expert. So, mm-hmm. if we actually wanted to do this, we can make it happen. All right. Do us a favor right now because it's something me and Hunter talk about regularly. Whether it is on the podcast or hitting up Big Red Hunters or Huntfish365, let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. I would do it. I would do it. I mean, I've got I've got a lot of camera equipment. Well, I've got the, a, two GoPros. The reality is, is when I created Huntfish365, it was with my it was with Terrell. It was with some friends from the past. And the whole thought of it was a bunch of people making videos. It's just yeah. no one ever really did it but me. Yeah. And so it never really got that far. So like, The only problem is, I'd, to be honest, I'm going to be out for two months. I'm out. I know. You would be tough. But that's why, that like, if it was just us two, I could probably make it work. But I think this year is going to be really rough for two, probably maybe three months. Mm-hmm. So I think if we had a third person, that would be great. Yeah. I'm trying to get Trell to hunt more by himself this year. I don't think it's going to happen this next I don't year. Know. That's why I think Jared. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, I think that that would be a great one because if you had antelope, I mean, he turkey hunts and he also duck hunts pretty hard. So. That'd be another. Well, guy. and he's he's away from us, like yeah. We're well, not we're like, not gonna get to hunt with him every weekend. Yeah. Now, I definitely can say that we started some plans for next year. This weekend, while we were hunting, <gasps> without me, no. You, you? Well, you, you're always involved. I'm just giving you crap. I mean, you? I can tell you one of the plans was I'm trying to get him to come deer hunting with us during rifle season. Is he finally going to break down and go to teal season with us? Because I guess that's usually when he goes to the antelope. But I need, I've need i been trying to get him to go teal hunting with us. I bet we could get him to go this year. Because he, so, actually, no, it's not, during teal season, he's not usually antelope hunting. He's usually deer hunting. Okay, that makes but sense. But he just lost his, like, childhood property for deer hunting. This was the last year he could hunt it. Gotcha. So, he's kind of not... I mean, I wouldn't say he's spinning as to what to do, but he's he's definitely going to be... It's going to be a little different for him this year, I would say. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I I lost my childhood property a couple times, or a couple years ago, and it Still weighs on me, and I still like talk about it with my dad, and still, uh, I hope to get per- like get permission out there again. Yeah, but I don't know that's gonna happen. But and uh, yeah, it's it's not that it's something we did. Just the farmer moved to town; he's renting it out to somebody else. And well, I mean, it's... they move out. Maybe we can get it back, but you never know. Yeah. So. It is what it is, but that's honestly a good idea. I mean, I know we kind of went back and forth on it, but at the same time, like... I bet you by tomorrow afternoon or Thursday morning, I will have 
a message from Jared that says, I would be 100% down for that idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be cool because we could get together, you know, like we did this year and like on a weekend or two together. I mean, my biggest problem, and this is what I struggle with sometimes, is like I struggle and I forget about people. And mm-hmm. then that, that, that sounds bad, but like, when I go into a weekend of like hunting, sometimes I just, I'm so busy doing what I'm doing that I forget about people. And I know that that kind of sounds bad, but like I told Keith, he went with us on our Arkansas trip. I said, Hey man, like I really want to come snow goose hunting. Number one, I always feel bad if it's not going to be good. When, if it's going to be really good, I tend to start thinking of people of going. And then when it's, when I know it's not going to be good, I don't tend to invite people. But I think a lot of people would still want to go, even if it's not going to be that good. So, like, I told Keith, yeah, we'll get you out. Like, we'll get you snow goose hunting. And I'm just going to be honest. Keith listens to this podcast, so I apologize, Keith. I just I, I just forget. I really do. I get about my business, and I got so much going on. I've talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> like, I just get going, and, like, I just don't stop. <laughs> so, like, there's people that I, like, connect with all week, all the time, like you, that obviously get invited a lot but like other people yeah. it just drops off my radar and i don't mean to ha- like do that but it just it just does oh i get it i'm that way too sometimes unless i like really starkly like, plan stuff with people going to you know going out there with jared like it just i yeah i just feel bad when that happens i feel guilty about it but it's just like well shoot <laughs> so like I I'd love to take Jared on a goose hunt, a snow goose hunt. I honestly told him I would, and I honestly would have, but I just yeah fell off my radar. But either way, no, I think that'd be good. And I wonder if I wonder if we can get Brad in on it. I mean, he's been doing stuff on his own channel, but I don't know if he'd want to think about throwing in. But you'd throw in Brad, the other person. I mean, I especially when it came to the hunting aspect of things, because his channel doesn't focus on hunting mostly, I think getting Jordan involved in it would be a good idea too, because a lot of his channel is fishing, yeah, and it doesn't seem like his hunting videos do all that well, so if he pulled into a channel that was involved with hunting more, and that's why like the whole... Yeah, the Good Life Collective name was a thought. It doesn't necessarily have to be that, but yeah. it. I certainly would want it to be related to just a bunch of people throughout Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, so Jordan's another one I've thought about just because of the fact that. That's, that's one downside of him being like, so because he's a good life outdoorsman. I do yeah. like that name. I do like, I really do like his branding on yeah. terms of his logo. And he's stuff. done a good job too. For honestly, Jordan, if you listen to this, which you've done a lot better this spring, kudos to you. You've been putting out videos really regularly. Dude, just spend time with it. You've got something there. Like yeah. he's got something. And he just needs he just needs to spend more time with it. Which I know the few times we hunted together this year, he kind of said that he he has issues with you know being consistent. I think at times everybody does. Well, I think for him, he he kind of struggles like because it's almost like hunting is his off season, mm-hmm. and then he gets back into like uh, he does really well with his ice fishing videos. Mm-hmm. He always does really good, and then he always does good now until 
like September, like August, September when it gets really hot. Yeah. And then he gets into hunting again, and then he kind of gives up the fishing. The guys that tend to do good fishing, they do stew it all year. And But yeah. at the same time, I would say this about Jordan. Jordan, you're at like that tipping point where you like step off and really like start to grow. Like I'm not yeah. talking about grow. Like you're at that stepping point where you really like take off. And there, I feel like it's almost like that, like your grind is really like that thousand to like, I would say a thousand to maybe like 3,000 subscribers. Once you get to 3,000 subscri- 3, subscribers, I think your traction really like gets going. Mm-hmm. And I think that something he's done a really good job is like, you could see, you could say for what it is or say whatever you want to say, but like he's, he does a good job. He's just, he's an all around good dude. Like that's why we enjoy hunting with him. That's why we on the podcast. That's why I talk to him regularly. He just does a good job and like he's gotten to know other like content creators Mm -hmm. and that's really helped him like continue to like grow and take off. So He's just got to keep doing what he's doing, and he's going to get there. Yeah. Just got to keep rolling and not having babies. Good thing Shay's gone. <laughs> she wants DQ, but oh, well. Well, you have anything else? <laughs> I mean, not crazy. I don't think You're like... We rambled a little bit about the social media stuff, but I think it was... I don't know. I mean, there's definitely certain parts of it, but I just... There's a lot more you can unpack about social medias, but I also don't want to just have this episode about complaining about social medias because it's hard because it is is what it is, and I like the fact that we talked about how some guys have overcame it and Mm -hmm. how they did it. Yeah. And I, I mean... You just got to take what you can about the social medias and run with it. And, you know, at some point, like, especially with me becoming a father, like I have gotten to the point where it's like, is it really worth it for me? And that's why, like, when we talked about the YouTube thing, like, is it worth it for me to sit down one night a week and talk on this podcast? Oh, heck yeah. Because, like, we we, we don't just talk about what we talk about on the podcast. Half the time we sit here and talk for like three or four hours despite the podcast. I was going to say, I mean, not only do we get to talk about things that we like, but it's almost a social gathering at this point. Like, you know. We have friends. Like, we have other people that come in. Like, it's just, it's, it's like my one night a week to just have the buddies over and talk. So, like, that I love. The YouTube thing, it's almost like you have to ask yourself, like, is it worth it? Like, the Instagram thing is super passive, so, like, I just like taking photos during hunts. I just do it because I enjoy it. I'm going to do it regardless if social media even exists. Yeah. Because I love, like, taking photos and enjoying the moment and doing that side of it. Do I enjoy other people appreciating on social media? Yes. The video aspect I've struggled with because of, I think, to become really successful, like I said, you have to take video of yourself, and that's what I've struggled with the most. But if I felt like I, if there was like a central cause with other people, because my problem is I don't think I can be consistent, make enough videos, and do it to where I think it's going to be successful. And I'm the type of person, if I'm going to do something, mm-hmm. dude, I'm going to go balls to walls and I'm going to be successful. Yeah. That's the person I am. 
And that's a person I've always been. So if I can do that with other people, and I feel like us as a collective can make enough content to be successful, oh, yeah, like, okay, like, I'm game. Yeah. You know, it's one of those situations. So, I don't know. I think it's one of those things I definitely know we're going to talk about after the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, well, we'll see. Well, we're... We're at a really good position to start talking about it because, honestly, we could talk about it all summer, get a real good game plan on it, and then just, I mean, I know you're going to have your own things this year, but you pull the right kind of people in there. Well, I mean, I know that we're going to hunt a lot together early season. Yeah. I think middle of the season I'm definitely going to struggle. Well, that that's not always that bad, bad for me because, yeah. like, middle of the season, get to – End of October, November, first couple weeks. I flipped the deer season for a couple weeks. And duck hunting usually is bad over here. I've thought about in that season. I've thought about, and we talked about this, and it kind of spurred it on with Douglas. I've been honestly thinking of, like, that November, November, December, when it's, like, number one, it's slow, slow for ducks. But this year we kind of grinded it out until like Thanksgiving, which mm-hmm. I think there was like two or three weeks where we could just like, it, it, we were just we, going out to get out. <laughs> we were just going to hang out, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two, I, I think it would almost be, and I talked, you know, talked about Douglas and like upland hunting. I've been seriously considering like just jumping out and going upland hunting in that time frame because like, Dude, with her and the baby, I can go out for five hours be home, perfect hunting day. Like, I don't have to move decoys around, do all that stuff. Like, I could jump yeah. out, upland hunt, come home. I mean, I know I know some decent upland game spots. Funny funny story about that. So, one of the weddings that Shay did last year, it's kind of funny. A lot of the weddings we have this year is, like, one expanding friend group that yeah. just, like, Boom, boom, boom. We just keep doing their weddings because yeah. everybody loves it, which, hey, woo, right? Um, go Shay. <laughs> uh, there was three couples that we had taken their wedding photos at the wedding we were at. Mm-hmm. So, like, I felt like I spent a chunk of, like, the last part of the evening just, like, talking to people because <laughs> I knew them. <laughs> yeah. But I sat down and I was talking to one of the couples, and I knew he was hunting, and we started talking. He's like, oh, yeah, he's, I thought he was more of a deer hunter, but he got to, like, really talk, and he's like, He's a big upland hunter in, like, uh, like really eastern Nebraska, but mostly, like, western Iowa. Really? And I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, like, he Interesting. Was like, I was like, I'd love to come out there and, like, come home with you in that area because, I mean, it's, if it's known as, like, a pretty, Iowa's pretty good, or known for pretty good pheasants, and, like, I mean. It's because they have the ditch rule. Yeah, I know. The ditch rule, Nebraska. <laughs> I know. Come on. So, I mean run out there home with them or whatever but i just think it upland's going to become more more a part of what i'm going to be doing just from from the level of um time it takes you know like duck hunting or goose hunting like you got to scout so much whereas upland you can run out and hunt for four or five hours run around walk around in a field and maybe you can find something that's why i love like i know you don't quite see this the way i do but that's why i love having so many different levels of hunting i guess you could say fields that i like to like i love to do it all i mean i love duck hunting i love upland i love 
I mean, honestly, the first two weeks of September, if it wasn't teal season, I would probably dove hunt every single night. I really do like to dove hunt quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but then deer hunt, turkey hunt. See, that's, you know, that's a funny thing is I, I had the conversation with Shay, even before we started the podcast, she was like, why don't, why don't you become big red waterfowl? Yeah. And I think somebody already has it on Instagram, but I said, you know, like, I know I don't deer hunt as much, which is a part of our logo. I said, but here's the thing. Like, I like doing everything. I said, when she said it, I was like, I want to talk about upland hunting. I genuinely enjoy upland hunting. I said, I enjoy waterfowl hunting. Yeah, I don't deer hunt that much, but I like big game hunting. Yeah. I said, like, I like to just do it all. I don't, I like to focus on waterfowl a lot because it really has my heart, but I like doing other things too. Yeah. So, like, and even on the podcast, we've kind of talked about everything because, well, you know, I'm, I love waterfowl, but it's not just what everything I do, you know? Yeah. But I know we kind of talked about that, but. No, I, I agree with you. But you ready to sign off? Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, stopping in on the Big Red Hunters podcast. Uh, if you guys have any ideas for names or what you guys like to see, you know, I think we're gonna bounce this idea around of maybe starting a YouTube together. People you want to see on the, or hear on the podcast yeah, ideas. Absolutely. I know it's gonna be, it's gonna be kind of, it's not gonna be dry. It's always slow season between, like, May and, like, the beginning the, of July. Because yeah. July is, like, really when you start doing some, like, pre-gaming stuff. Mm-hmm. So, there, I have a lot of ideas about some people I want to have on. Uh, but, you know, this podcast is content created for you guys to appreciate. So, if you guys want to talk about something or hear about something, let us know. Obviously, we'd love love the feedback. So, mm-hmm. appreciate you guys for listening. Um, yeah, we're going to sign off for the night. So, All right, guys, appreciate you listening to the Bigger and Hunters podcast. Have a good night.